We're so glad that you've tuned in today here at Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Chase Baker, and I'm the family pastor here at Rolling Hills. We're continuing in our series, Refined. And today, our focus is on the sin of gluttony. Now, most times we think of that word, we specifically think of food, which it certainly applies to, but gluttony encompasses so much more than just that. It includes habitual greed of the excess of anything. You see, God longs for us to see Him as enough and to celebrate the gifts that He gives rather than having too much of anything He created. There's so much wisdom to be found on this topic in Proverbs. So we're excited that you're here to jump into the Scripture as we head into week two of Refine. Thank you for being here. Well, when you communicate a lot, like I do, both in settings like this and all kinds of communication, there's obviously topics that you get really excited about talking about. And those of you who communicate in any form or fashion, you know what I'm talking about. There's things that you would say, hey, that's in my wheelhouse. I'm passionate about that. I don't have to think very hard. I just really genuinely enjoy communicating about that. And then there's probably areas of all of our lives that we just don't enjoy communicating about. Maybe you're an HR professional and there's something just about, you know, the people business that I really enjoy enjoy this part of it, but I don't enjoy this part of it. There's teachers in the room, and you enjoy teaching this unit, but you have to come up with a lot of manufactured energy to teach this unit over here, and you just kind of know, I got to get through that in order to get to something that I enjoy a little bit more. Most of our careers, most of the things that we do, whether it's parenting or whatever, advertising, marketing, whatever it might be, you have those things. I like to communicate about this. I don't like to communicate about this. Choice A, choice B. Well, today I'm squarely in choice C. (laughs) And what I call choice C is something I've never talked about before. So let's see how this goes. Something that I'm not sure that I enjoy it. I'm not sure that I don't enjoy it. So let's just get the boat out on the water and see if it floats and see what we think about it. Now, you guys can relate to that. But all joking aside, there's a topic that I want to address to you today That is really, really important, but it's clearly never been important enough for me to talk about it until now. We're in the second week of this series called Refine, where we're looking at some areas in our life that might need some rethinking, that might need some refinement, if you will. And today is no exception. Every week here at Rolling Hills, we do a lot of promotional material on Instagram and Facebook and all those things, Twitter. So if you don't follow us on all those, please go do that. We always are promoting things and always sharing with you about what's coming in the weekend ahead. And I try to do that every so often. But this week, I was really dangerously quiet because I did not want to let the cat out of the bag because I thought you might not come to church if we told you precisely what it is that we're talking about today. So without any further ado, drumroll please, let's have a sermon about gluttony. A week devoted to gluttony, I made sure this week to share with our staff, this is not the week to bring donuts for our core team volunteers. Okay, we'll bring those back next Sunday. But this week we are straight kale chips. Okay, I mean that. But I am excited where we're heading because God wants to do a work in our heart in these areas of refinement, whether it's lust or whether it's greed or whether it's envy, whether it's pride that we're going to talk about a little bit later in this series or whether it's gluttony that we're going to kind of camp out in today. And what we're doing in this series, Refine, is we are taking these sins, these seven deadly sins that are so common, that are so pervasive to our lives and to culture, and we're rethinking them and refining them and saying, God, what do you want to teach us in the midst of 
these truths? What do you want to show us? How do you want to grow us? And so this morning, that's where we want to set our sights. That's where we want to turn our heart's attention. And that's where we want to put our mind. And so will you pray with me and just ask God to come and do what only he can do in this place today. Lord, thank you for who you are. I thank you for a powerful morning of worship. I thank you for your word. And I pray that as we proclaim your word today and as we speak your word and as we reflect upon the truths in scripture that you would meet us here in this moment. I thank you that you've brought every person here. It is not by accident that any of us are here. And so I pray, God, that each and every one of us would be able to just realize how good you are and that you sent your son Jesus to refine everything for us, to take away all of our sin. And I, and I thank you, God, for your presence in this place. And we just give the rest of this day to you. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen and amen. Now, a quick look across the room. I don't think anybody got up and left during my prayer. So awesome. Thank you for staying put. Now, a quick Google search. If you were to pull out your phone and do a quick Google search of what does the Bible say about gluttony, it's going to yield a handful of truths to you. Most notably, Proverbs chapter 23, verses 1 and 2. Look at these verses. When you sit to dine with a ruler, note well what is before you, and put a knife to your throat if you are given to gluttony. Yikes. <laughs> Let me read that again to make sure I got all the words right. When you sit to dine with a ruler, note well what is before you, and put a knife to your throat if you are given to gluttony. I have never heard anyone say that this is their favorite verse of Scripture. Charles, what verse of Scripture do you really love? You know, I'm really resonating today with the one about putting a knife to my throat. If I'm prone to gluttony, I've never heard a family choose this verse as the life verse for their children. I've never seen this on a bumper sticker, your grandma's at cross-stitch. You know, that, they, we do not take these verses and commit them to memory. But when you look at the verse, even with all of its intensity, of which there are many verses of Scripture that have these very intense mental pictures, there is some inherent truth here that I can't gloss over. And what I can't gloss over is that God is saying, this is a big deal. It's inherently embedded in these verses. This is a big deal. And it would be silly for me to act like it is not a big deal. But if you scroll ahead just a little bit, the writer of Proverbs kind of mellows a little bit. He continues talking about gluttony, but he gives us another point in verses 19 through 21. Listen to what is said. This, again, is just a few verses in the same chapter. Listen, my son, and be wise, and set your heart on the right path. Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat. For drunkards and gluttons become poor, and drowsiness clothes them in rags. So he starts by saying, put a knife to your throat if you are prone to gluttony. And then he ends the chapter by saying, don't join in with those who are gluttonous or who gorge themselves on too much wine or too much food. Why? Because he says it leads to drowsiness. It leads to poverty. But did you catch big picture what he said? Big picture, he says, it is just incredibly unwise. It is not a wise choice to live with this manner. So this series, the big idea of everything that we're doing in this refined series is to say, God, help me make wiser choices. And help me to make a wiser choice, maybe in this area of my life. Help my heart to be set on the right path and help me to see the impact that this will have on me and others around me. Now, in case you're wondering, what does gluttony actually mean? Most of you probably have some working definition in your mind of what that means. But what it literally means, and you see this here on the screen, you can fill this in on your notes. If you want to reflect and follow along with me on those note sheets that we give you there on your worship guide, the literal definition of gluttony is to gulp down. The literal definition of gluttony is to gulp down. Our English word gluttony is derived from the Latin word gula, which sounds a lot like goulash, which I love, meaning to gulp down. 
Gluttony literally means to gulp down. Merriam-Webster defines gluttony as, and I quote, excess in eating or drinking. Another quote from Webster, or definition from Webster, greedy or excessive indulgence. So you, indulgence, you see those words excess, you see words indulgent. These are jumping out at you out of these definitions. And you can, of course, be partaking excessively in food or drink. But my question to you this morning, is food or drink the only area of your life that you're greedy or live in excess with? No. It's, for many of us, one of many. And so food is obviously going to be a part of what we talk about today, but for our purposes, we're going even broader than that. And you see here in your notes that food is but one of the many things that you can be a glutton to. Food is one of the many things that you can be a glutton to. Maybe you're here and you're saying, hey, I don't struggle with gluttony when it comes to food and drink, but perhaps you struggle with gluttony when it comes to some other area of your life. I mean, look at what Paul said to the church at Philippi, Philippians 3, 19 and 20. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what is this verse in reference to? If you go back just a little bit, you'll see that what Paul is saying here is he's talking about enemies of Christ. Those who are enemies of Christ, he says, this is what their life looks like. Their God is their stomach, meaning they're prone to excessive food and drink. They're gluttonous. That's where their God is. That's their worship. He says, but beyond that, their mind is set on earthly things opposed to the things of God. So they are gluttonous to food, but they're also gluttonous to other things. And Paul says, not you. As a follower of Jesus Christ, your citizenship is in heaven. He's the one that sets your agenda, not these worldly things. And so food and drink obviously has power over some of us, but it would be amiss if we said that's the only area that you can have gluttony. That's the only area that you can be prone to excess. So the goal of today's message is not to make you lose weight. We're not going to have a weigh-in at the end of this, ser- of this sermon, at the end of this series. It is also not lost on me the incredible irony of this message on Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> um, that was really bad planning on our part, so we apologize. Uh, on behalf of all things right and good, that this was the week that we chose to talk about this because I, for one, am excited about some queso. And so um, I'm not telling you to cancel your plans tonight. I'm not telling you that you have to kind of just swing by and pick up celery that no one will eat. You know, fine, have a good time. That's not the point of this, of this message. Because to be honest, we kind of use the words gluttony and overweight like they're synonyms, like they're the exact same word. They're not the same at all. Because you can be a glutton and be in incredibly great health. Or you can be overweight and not be a glutton. So what we're seeking to get at in this message is that the heart behind gluttony. If I review some of these verses that I've already read, you'll see that God says it is not wise for you. There's something about your heart. There's something about your mind. There's something about your life that it is not a wise decision to be living with all of this excess this gluttony, because what happens is we tend to live for the things of the world. We have a worldly agenda opposed to a godly agenda. I stumbled upon a quotation by John Piper in studying for this, and and this, this quotation really helped kind of frame some things for me, and I want to read it to you. It says that gluttony is having a craving that conquers you. I love this definition. Gluttony is, in essence, having a craving that conquers you. So what does that definition mean? It means that if I'm conquered by a craving of the world, it means I'm not conquered, and I'm not anchored 
by Jesus Christ. It means I'm not putting God in the center of my life if all of the anchors in my life are all these things that I'm living in excess. He may not be my ultimate aim for worship, but rather these idols, these false gods, these little G gods are. Anything that you and I worship more than God is an idol. Anything that has more of a place of precedence in our life than God is an idol. And unfortunately, these areas of excess have become very common forms of worship for us, haven't they? Now, it needs to be said, food is not bad. If food were bad, I don't think Jesus would have taken a little boy's lunch and multiplied it to make more of it. If food was bad, I don't think Jesus would have referred to himself as the bread of life. If food was bad, I don't think Jesus would say, commemorate my death by having a meal, the Lord's Supper. You know, he says, don't, these things are not inherently bad in and of themselves, but the problem surfaces when my heart and when my mind and my actions become so concentrated or so addicted to these things that it begins to impact me spiritually and it prevents me from experiencing the joy and the peace and the freedom that God wants me to experience or it prevents me from being about what he is about. Now, I've referenced this next point in sermons before. And if you were raised in church, you may have some familiarity with this story. Or maybe you're new to church. Maybe you're, you're new to faith and you don't have familiarity with these stories. And so I want to kind of tell you a little bit of the backstory here. There was two towns in the Old Testament that were called Sodom and Gomorrah. And what you know about Sodom and Gomorrah, or what you may have heard for the very first time today, is that Sodom and Gomorrah were very evil towns. They were evil towns. There was sin that was running rampant in the towns of Sodom and Gomorrah, and so much so that the cities were destroyed. But right before these cities were destroyed, we kind of get some insight into what's happening. And there was sexual sin that was running rampant in these towns. No question, unequivocally, they were not living for the things of God. But you may not know that sexual sin was not the only thing that was happening in Sodom and Gomorrah. Go to what the prophet Ezekiel says, Ezekiel 16, 49. Now, this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. Highlight those words, arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. Was sexual sin running rampant in these towns? Absolutely. What else was running rampant in these towns? Gluttony. They were overfed. And because they were overfed, they were arrogant. And because they were arrogant, they were not meeting the needs of people. This is one of the ramifications of gluttony in our life. All sin in our life makes life about who? Us. Opposed to helping other people. And in this case, it had very terrible implications because they were all destroyed. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen in your life. You know, if you hold a donut, you know, lightning's going to come and destroy you. But the reality is, if we don't handle sin right and keep sin at bay in our life, it always has detrimental effects. It always has debilitating effects in our life. But as we've stated, food is just a part of it. Food is just a part of the story. How about entertainment? We're gluttons to entertainment. You know, it's estimated that the average American spends five hours a day watching television. Average. Meaning some of us are above that, some of us are below that. How about social media? Am I the only one that finds myself the minute that I stop at a red light? <laughs> what happened in the last 26 seconds that I need to catch up on? Research shows that, you know, a like on social media, that if you get a like on social media, it releases the same amount of dopamine in your brain, which is that pleasure, uh, that, that, that part, that, that chemical that provides pleasure in your life. The same amount of dopamine is released in your brain from a like on social media as a hit of crack cocaine. Research has shown us this. Look it up. What's the problem with that? The problem with that is we have become gluttonously addicted 
And what does addictions, what does the only word that addiction speaks in our life? More. Always wants more. Always more food, always more drink, always more likes, always more this, always more that. And if you and I don't get this right, it's going to hamper our ability to live the full, rich, abundant life that God has for us. But it's not just things that we like to criticize. It's not just food. It's not just drink. It's not just social media. You know, all the woes of this world. How about email? How about all the things that we love that's necessities for us? Do you guys remember the day when if you wanted to check your email, you had to be at a desktop computer? In your home where you were connected to the modem, you know, and it would make that really weird noise. And if somebody called your house, you know, it would kick you off the, the, the internet line. And some of you guys who are under 30 are looking at me like, what is he talking about? You know, it's history. History was awesome. I mean, we had to sit at a desk to actually get on email. I remember when email was introduced and it was world changing. And then we all got laptops and then Wi-Fi was invented. And you could pick up a Wi-Fi signal, but you still had a laptop that you had to open up and you had to log onto a Wi-Fi signal to see your email. And that wasn't enough for us, so then what did we do? We got it on our phones because I carry that with me, and so now I don't even have to have a Wi-Fi signal. I can be in the African bush and download an attachment. (laughs) But a phone wasn't enough, right? So we had to get it on our watch. I'm utterly convinced that over the next few years, I'm going to go to the optometrist, and they're going to say, Mr. Hale, would you like us to install, you know, the email in your lenses? You know, just so you can always be reading it. And we're working on new technology. We actually read your mind and reply for you. (laughs) So you don't even have to think about it. I think it's really safe to say that the constant scrolling, the constant engagement, the constant addiction, if you will, it has created a very unhealthy sense of us being tethered to these things. And maybe we've never thought about it under the umbrella of gluttony before. But what's the definition of gluttony? To gulp down, to ingest, to digest all of these things. So how do I address it? What is the step that I need to take? Well, I think it starts by clearly naming why does this happen. Why is gluttony such an issue? What is really going on in our life that causes us to kind of suffer with this sin of gluttony? And this is what I've come to grips with. And you see it here on your notes. And I want you to fill in the blanks of this. And th- but I'm going to go back and kind of flesh this out because the way that it's worded might be a little bit confusing, but, but I want you to get where we're headed. Gluttony resides at the place in my life where there is a lack of self-control and the ability to have unlimited consumption. Let me double-click on that for you. Gluttony resides at the place in my life where there is a lack of self-control and the ability to have unlimited consumption. I want you to imagine a north-south road and an east-west road, and they meet at somewhere that's called an intersection. Gluttony lives at this intersection of wherever there's a lack of self-control in my life and whether I have unlimited, whatever that place is, that I have unlimited ability to consume, unlimited consumption. So let's kind of take these one by one. Self-control. Proverbs 25, 28, what does it say about self-control? Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. So if I don't have self-control in my life, what the Bible says is that I am a city that has lost its defenses. The walls are broken down in my life, meaning what? I'm much more prone to attack. I'm much more prone for the fiery darts of the enemy to come to me if I do not have self-control. So without self-control, I am broken. I am susceptible to the attacks. I'm more prone to being attacked. But with self-control, I'm shielded and I'm protected. Now, on one hand, gluttony is a self-control issue. It's a discipline issue. There's a lack of discipline when it comes to eating. Maybe you have a lack of discipline when it comes to devices. There's a lack of discipline for me to be able to stop Netflix, opposed to just letting it roll into the next 
episode. But you throw on top of that the fact that we have unlimited consumption abilities. Because, see, self-control is actually a Jesus thing. It's not just a self-help thing. Because what does Jesus, what does the Bible tell us about self-control? It's a fruit of the Spirit. And so if I grow in my self-control, then I'm growing in the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? Conforms me more to the image of Jesus Christ. So growing in self-control makes me more like Jesus. If I don't grow in self-control, I grow more like the world. So there's something that's really spiritual about self-control. But then we go to this kind of east-west part of the intersection, which is what I call unlimited consumption. And our gluttonous behavior tends to be at an all-time high because we have unlimited consumption. Now, this is a very hasty generalization, and I don't want to assume that this is true about everybody in the room, but I do think that probably likely most of us in the room are probably not food insecure. You may have gone through a season of your life where you wondered where your next meal was from. That's certainly not the season of life that I'm in right now. I wake up and I have unlimited, it seems like, choices of things to eat and places to go and all those kinds of things. So I don't want to minimize the fact that you may be in a season of food insecurity, but the reality is a lot of us probably throw away enough food to feed a couple families, you know, throughout the course of a month. And because we have unlimited consumption, have you noticed that we really don't even give rhyme or reason to why we eat anymore? We don't even give rhyme or reason as to the times that we eat. We don't really stop when we're full anymore. We just kind of eat because we can. I finish my meal and my kids have not finished their meal, so what do I do? I finish their meal because <laughs> kids' meals are expensive. I could wrap it up. I could ask for a box and take it home so we could eat it later, but who wants to do that when it's there? And you can just eat it in the moment. It's this idea of unlimited consumption with a lack of self-control. It's that intersection where gluttony tends to live. Do I actually stop eating when I'm full? No. I stop sometimes when my stomach literally says, please stop. No more. Just this past uh, two weeks ago, uh, I was waiting for a flight, and the flight was delayed, and the gate attendant came, came on the speaker, and she said something that was really, really nice. She said, you know, your flight's going to be delayed, and because of that, we have some snacks that are provided for you all up here at the gate if you want some. And so I watched as one by one, we all got in a single file line, you know, <laughs> and walked up for our Chex Mix and our granola bars. Now, do you think I stowed those things in my carry-on bag for later? No, I had had breakfast less than two hours prior to that moment. But who turns away free food, and who lets food sit without eating it? And so I just started consuming it. And I thought to myself, you're going to get up and preach a sermon on gluttony here in a couple weeks. But I say all that to say, that's unlimited consumption. That is this principle of unlimited consumption. Food is just always there. And because it's there, I tend to consume it. How about TV? Do you actually stop watching TV? Or do you just turn your television off at 2 a.m. because you literally gulped down so much TV that it just lulled you to sleep at night? Some of us don't ever stop the TV. It just puts us to sleep, and we stop it that next morning, you know, at 4 a.m. or 3 a.m. whenever it wakes us up. What I'm practically saying is that if I could move past these lack of self-control behaviors, if I could learn how to navigate a world with unlimited consumption, what's going to happen is my self-control is probably going to rise. And all of these things that are not bad by nature, entertainment, internet, food, drink, not bad by nature, it's likely they would move back into their proper place. And when I move those things off the throne of my heart, when I move those things out of the throne, off the throne of what's important to me, who has an opportunity to come in and take back over? God does. 
And so that's why all of this matters. It matters hugely because gluttony is a sin. Pastor Nick from our Nashville campus, who did an amazing job speaking to us last week, he preached on sin. And he started out this series by saying, you know, sometimes as a church we talk about sin all the time, and sometimes we don't talk about it at all, and we've got to figure out the balance, that sin is sin, and these seven deadly sins that we're talking about, no one's making any, you know, assumptions that we're trying to say this is not a sin or whatever the case might be, so we want to be really clear about God's Word is saying these are things that I am to avoid. So what do we know about sin? You see it up here on your notes. This is what we see about sin. Because of sin, you are always drawn to things that will destroy you. That's why this series matters. Because of sin, you are always drawn to things that will destroy you. I mean, look at 1 Corinthians 6, 12. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You and I can technically do whatever we want. We can eat whatever we want. We can drink whatever we want. We can pollute our mind with whatever we want. We can sleep with whoever we want. But just because you can doesn't mean you should. And sin destroys our life. Sin is what separates us from God. It is because you and I are sinners that God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to this earth. He sent Jesus to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. We can't make ourselves right. We can't make ourselves whole. In fact, if you could make yourself right, you know when you would have done it? A long time ago. If you could have broken the addictions in your life, when, you would, have, when would you have done it? 10 years ago, 20 years ago. We can't break free without God's power and without the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus died so that our sin could be taken away. And this is a preview for Easter. Three days later, the world thought that the story had ended, and they put him in a tomb, and he burst forth from that grave like we just sang about a few minutes ago, and he said, I have conquered sin once and for all. What does Jesus come to conquer in your life? He came to conquer the pride. He came to conquer the lust. He came to conquer the gluttony. All of these sins that destroy us, Jesus wants to conquer those things and to forgive you for those things. And so if you're here and you have yet to make that decision to follow Jesus Christ, let today be the day. No time like the present to say, you know what, I don't want to live for myself anymore, but I want to understand the beautiful power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can make a note on that connection card that you want to talk to somebody about that, that that's a decision that you want to make. You can stick around after the service, some of our staff, our prayer team. We would love to pray with you to walk you through what it means to ask that forgiveness for sin in your life. But because of sin, what happens in our lives, this is what sin does in our life whether it's gluttony or one of these other sins that we're going to talk about in the series, sin always makes us settle for the lesser opposed to the better. I mean, sin's always a really poor substitute. We talked about pornography last week. Pornography is a lot easier than a covenant marital relationship. It's quick. It's readily accessible. You can find it anywhere. But is it better? Not at all. But yet we settle for what's available or we settle for what's easy. That's the nature of sin. I'm drawn to what destroys me. Gluttony is the same way. Opposed to self-control, opposed to moderation when it comes to food and drink, it's just much easier for me to say, it's there, so I'm just going to eat it. I'm going to eat whatever I want. But what happens if I go down that path is truly at the heart of sin. This is sin 101. If you were to ask me, what are the ramifications of sin in my life? I'm going to give you two responses to that. Sin 101 is sin always takes you further than you want to go. Every time in my life that I have allowed 
the sin of my life to take up much more residence than it needs to, I always find myself a place that I never thought I would be. It always is a slippery slope. It takes you further than you want to go. What else does sin do? Sin takes things that were designed for enjoyment by God's standards, and the world gives you a really poor substitute of that. That's what this series is all about. God has a standard for all of these things, but the world gives us a really poor substitute. That's why this series, Refine, is so important, because we're always drawn to sin. It is our nature, but God says, no, I have a better way for you. You know, one practical thing that you and I can do to experience freedom in this area or refinement in this area is just to identify some of these causes, but then to say, hey, what are some of the keys? What are some of the key factors that will help me be refined in this area? And and the first one I want to give you, in fact, the only key that I want to give you today centers around this concept of idleness. You see it here on the notes that gluttony tends to take root in idle areas of your life. Have you noticed this? Gluttonous behavior tends to surface in your life in a part of your life that's just kind of bored, <laughs> just kind of idle. It's just kind of lazy, if you will. I mean, think about it. When do you most likely overeat? Most of us don't overeat when we're up and ready to charge the day. No, we overeat when we're tired at the end of the day, we're decompressing, we're depressed, and we just need some me time. And that's when these temptations tend to surface in our life. I mean, when do you gorge on entertainment? We don't wake up in the morning and usually just gorge ourselves on entertainment. We gorge on entertainment when? When we're tired, or when we're bored, or when we're idle, or when we are just kind of, kind of needing some me time, so to speak. So the quicker, though, that we can realize every moment is an opportunity to grow in Christ-likeness, the better. Because when it's unchecked, when I'm idle, when I'm tired, when I'm exhausted, gluttony is always crouching right there at the door, ready to take over. Look at 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you know that yourselves are God's temple, and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst. See, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit when you're working, you're exercising. Your body is still the temple of the Holy Spirit when you're living with gluttonous, excess, sinful living, so to speak. God dwells in your temple, so do all that you can do to make it a good home for the spirit of the living God. I want to share with you this quote from Jonathan Bowers. And Jonathan Bowers says, and I quote, idleness is a petri dish for gluttony. I love that. Idleness is a Petri dish for gluttony. Some of you all have not worked with a Petri dish in a long time. So let me tell you what it is. Go back to your, your high school, your college class. You know, you, you had a, a Petri dish. And what would happen in that Petri dish? You would insert some substance in that dish, and you just kind of let time take over. And what begins to grow? Bacteria, infections, diseases. Things grow in these Petri dishes because it's an environment that is ripe for disease. It's an environment that is ripe for infection. And when you and I live idle lives, when we're not serving, when we're not investing, when we're not giving, when we're not worshiping, when we're not engaging in community like you're doing today, when you're not involved in other people's lives and when you don't let other people be involved in your lives, you should never be surprised if your life becomes a petri dish for idle living and gluttony to begin to surface. Now, it would not be right for me to preach this message and hide from you the fact that there actually is one area that God says it's okay to be gluttonous in. There is one area that God says you can be gluttonous in. There is one buffet that God says belly up to this one and feast on him. Feast on the word of God. And in that feasting, instead of turning to the things of this world, you turn for clarity and wisdom and direction from God and God alone. Feast on him. Often the last thing, and you see this in your notes, often though what I tend to do is the last thing that I choose to feast on is the very thing that would make me full. 
I kind of live, and I, and I want to be satisfied by the things of this world. And they don't ever really satisfy. But many times, the last thing I choose to feast on is the very thing that makes me full. Look at Psalm 1611. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. What is the psalmist saying? You make known the path of life to me through the daily reading of God's word, through prayer, through fellowship like you're doing today. You can feast on the word of God. Maybe it's been a while since you feasted on the things of God. And can I encourage you to start that tomorrow? Maybe tomorrow. Get through the Super Bowl tonight. But maybe tomorrow you would say, you know what? I want to feast on the word of God. I want to feast on the things of God. Maybe it's been a while since you just stopped and really reflected on just how good God is and just how good his blessings have been to you. And I'm not saying that life is perfect, and I'm not saying that everything is always awesome all the time, but when we stop to do some really specific introspection about what's happening in our lives, isn't it amazing how God just begins to overflow us with so many blessings? And we experience that gratitude And gratitude and gluttony and idleness and all those things, they don't play well together. And you start growing in gratitude, you start growing in self-control, and then all of a sudden you realize, I'm able to keep these areas kind of pushed away, and they don't have the power over me anymore. So that full, abundant life that God has for you, it's available to you today. And I pray that you would run towards it. Now, as we close, I do want to make sure that you know that today was not intended to make you feel bad. Uh, It is never my goal to stand before you as your pastor and as your friend to make you feel bad. I don't want to feel bad. So I'm assuming that you don't either. I think guilt is a terrible motivator. And so we're not here as your church and as your church family to say, you should feel bad about this. You should feel bad about that. You should do this. You should do that. Rather, the aim is to say, is there an area of your life that you need to do some hard work in? Maybe there's an area of your life that you would say, you know what, this is an issue for me. Maybe for you it is overeating. Maybe for you it's excessive drinking. Maybe for you it's an addiction to social media. Maybe it's an addiction to gaming. Maybe it's an addiction to gambling. Maybe it's a TV addiction. The goal is not to have you leave this place and just say, you know what, this is a church that just told me how bad I was and I don't ever know where the hope is in the midst of that. That's not the point of the message at all. The point of the message is for you to walk away and say, is there something in my life that I'm worshiping more than him? Is there something in my life that has taken up way too much residence and I need to push that aside so that God can come and be fully what I am focused on? Because many times the gluttonous areas of our life, they have control of our life. We don't find happiness. We don't find joy. We don't find contentment in those things anymore, but rather we're imprisoned by them. And so if you're here and you are held captive by those things, what does God say? God says, I want to break you free today. All of this matters. God said that it mattered, but we also reap the benefits if we choose to lean into what it is that God says to do. So I don't know about you, but I certainly know that I have work to do. And if you have work to do, how about this morning we make a commitment to do the work. Let's let's invite God to refine us today, to shine light in all the areas of our life, and to follow in obedience to what it is that he wants to do in and through the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you, God, for meeting us here. We're so grateful, God, for just your presence. And I thank you for the truth that sin destroys us, but you bring us life. 
You bring us freedom. You bring us hope. You bring us peace. So God, help us to find that today. Help us to find that peace. Help us to find that comfort. Help us to find that joy in you and you alone. Thank you again, God, for meeting us here. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of our Rolling Hills Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, subscribe to it or share it with some friends. You can also check out some of our other great podcasts like Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, RH Women's As You Go Podcast, and more. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app or follow us on social media or visit our website at rollinghills.church. We're thankful for you.